Welcome to Who Says No, the NBA trade podcast. We talk about trades, we talk about free agency, we talk about players that are in one place and will soon be another. I think that's the simplest way to sum it all up. I am your host, Sam Quinn. I'm an NBA reporter for CBS Sports. Joining me as always, my fellow CBS Sports NBA reporter, the man, the myth, the hyphen, Colin Ward-Henninger. Colin, how are you doing? I'm doing much better after that introduction, Sam. I, I got to work on mine. You, you're really hyping me up here. I like that. I like that existential uh, way of putting it. Guys that are in one place and, and are going to end up another. I think that's a very, uh, very intelligent way to put what we do. Or won't, but can at least convincingly argue might. Now, my dream for this introduction for you is that every episode we include a different hyphen. So like, Next episode, you can be Colin Anthony Towns. You know, just keep going down the list with a different hyphen every episode. Colin Horton Tucker. I mean, that, that Horton oh, Tucker hyphen. He's moving up the hyphen power rankings quickly, let me tell you. You made your all-hyphen team last year. If you redid it, would Horton Tucker be a starter? Oh, man, after that first preseason game, I'd have to say yes. If we did an all-preseason hyphen team, he would be the captain, the MVP, maybe the coach, too. I don't know. Like... Lakers fans are very hyped up on him, and they're very mad at me for kind of dampening that because I said before the game, as soon as it was announced that he was starting, like, maybe we don't overreact to one start. And they treated it like I said, LeBron is going to win six man of the year or something. That was like when you suggested uh, trading tra- that trading Tyler Hero for James Harden would be a difficult decision. And they're like, what are you talking about? I literally said in the tweet, I would do it. I'm just saying, like, trading somebody as young and good as Tyler Hero is hard. Like, it's really it's rare that that happens. Twitter you know has what? no chill. It never has we're not chill. Here, we're not here to talk about the Twitter mobs. They're they'll talk about us after the fact. But we're here today to talk about the players that we think are likeliest to be traded this season. This ranges the entire spectrum. We have a couple of stars on these lists. We have a couple of not stars on these lists, to say the least. We're gonna start with with you, Colin. We each have our own list of eight. There will be some overlap. There will be some that we don't overlap on. But you have the obvious one. You have the floor. Who is number one on your list? Yeah, just so so people know, we haven't seen each other's list. So this is kind of a free-flowing thing. I think uh, we're both a little intrigued to see uh, who the other person has on the list. But uh, for thank you for allowing me to go first. And this is the, the softball right off the bat. Obviously, my number one is going to be James Harden. And it's simply from the fact that I can't foresee a situation where he ends up staying in Houston beyond uh, throughout this entire season. And that's just because of his trade demand that exists. Uh, you know, John Wall and Boogie look great in their first preseason game, but I don't think that's going to be enough to convince Harden to stay. So I think he does get dealt eventually. And obviously this is someone who's been talked about ad nauseum and uh, is a guy who a lot of teams would want if they're looking to make that move from a contender to a championship favorite or, or something like that. So Brooklyn, Philly, Miami, uh, Milwaukee is on Harden's list, but I think we both agree that that's probably not going to happen. And then you mentioned, uh, you know, in our other podcast that we specifically devoted to Harden trade packages, uh, Toronto and maybe Denver and New Orleans can put together a good package. So, I mean, my, my guy, I just I can't imagine James Harden being on the Rockets at the end of this season. Do you uh, agree with that or, or do you think something could kind of go uh, go in the Rockets favor here and get him to stay? Yeah, I mean, I think for Harden, the better question isn't, is he going to get traded or not? It's when is he going to get traded? And maybe a week ago, we would have said it's any day now. But you were right. John Wall and Boogie looked really good in the preseason opener. Harden is reported back to Houston. Now, 
we don't know how long he has all of these COVID protocols that he needs to go through. So we don't know when he can actually suit up yet. But I think John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins can at least buy the Rockets like a couple of months of harmony to the point where they can at least say to these teams that are trying to extract him, we have something decent here. Like we've got some good players. Like we can stay in the playoff on. We don't have to be in a rush. So I think the likeliest outcome right now is that he's traded at the deadline, not, you know, in the next week or two before the season. But yeah, I think we, we both agree. He's probably going to get traded. If he doesn't get traded in this year, it's really semantics. He's going to get traded next year. He's not going to play out this entire contract in Houston. I was just wondering, like, in the modern NBA, like, in the, the NBA that we're in now, like, can a player like Harden, who is, who is openly seeking a trade and is, has let management and ownership know, can he play for the Rockets? Like, is that even possible? Like, this is a guy who already has questionable effort on the defensive end and, and on the offensive end when he doesn't have the ball in his hand. So I just can't imagine him being on the court knowing that he has one foot out the door and having teammates who, you know, he kind of already alienates with the way that he plays. And now they suddenly have to to play hard for him and, and watch him do his isolations and stuff like that, knowing that he doesn't even want to be on the team. I just find it really hard to, to foresee how this is going to work. So I've always wondered what the logical extreme of this is, right? Like, I think the furthest we've ever seen any player go as far as I'm not going to try. So trade me as Vince Carter going back. I think it was like 2005, 2006. But I've always wondered how far can a player go? Like, could we see something down the line? I don't think we're here yet, to be clear. But I've always sort of wondered, like, what if a player took the court, a teammate passed him the ball, and then he just, like, dropped it and walked away? Like, how far can we realistically go? Because I think you're right. If James Harden is playing for the Rockets on opening day, I don't think we're getting going all out trying to score 60 James Harden. I think we're getting, I'm coasting until I get to my preferred destination, James Harden. We saw this to an extent with Anthony Davis, right? Like after right. he demanded a trade from the Pelicans where he's playing some nights, he's not playing back-to-backs, he's not playing other nights. I'm kind of curious how far this can realistically go. And I mean, I think the end game is I don't think we'd ever get a player who like deliberately just dribbles the ball out of bounds and like walks away, et cetera, et cetera. But I do think we could get a scenario where like, what if Harden just kind of half-asses the first couple months of the season tries to lower his trade value enough to get himself to Brooklyn because right now the Nets don't have enough. But if he scares off the other suitors, then I don't know, maybe. So I think he's going to play for Houston on opening night. If you ask me my actual prediction, it's that he gets traded at some point during the season, but I think he'll play and I don't think he'll play very well relative to his own standards. I just, I think uh, the more likely scenario instead of just getting the ball and dropping it is uh, pulling an Andrew Bynum and just launching from wherever he catches the ball, no matter where it is. Well, hard to does see that. He would have to dribble 600 times first and then do it. What's, what would be the opposite of that for Harden? Like what if Harden just like randomly started trapping centers on the other side of the court or something? Like, what is the Harden version of that? Because for Andrew Bynum, tucking threes is, you know, something unusual. For James Harden, it's pretty par for the course. Or just just passing immediately after he catches it, just playing hot potato. The Kobe Game 7 move where he's like, okay, fine, you guys don't want me to shoot, I yeah. won't shoot. I'm, I'm going to be the facilitator now. Yeah. But yeah, Harden, Harden I, he's gone. Uh, it's going to be very fascinating to see where he goes, but I don't think we need to devote much more time to him. So, so uh, that was, that guy was the top of my list. What about, what about you? I'm going to skip my number one for now because I think my number two is more – thematically resonant pj tucker i think he is classic collateral damage of a superstar trade demand 
where nobody right now is asking themselves who can get P.J. Tucker. But if James Harden gets traded, why would P.J. Tucker stay in Houston? He wants a contract extension. They haven't given him yet. He fits on basically any team. Any team that wants to win basketball games should be trying to trade for P.J. Tucker. He makes less than $8 million a year. And once Harden is gone, if, if Tucker isn't in that deal, and maybe he is, we don't know what the full deal would be, I would imagine basically every contender lines up trying to get him. So he's number two on my list. Colin, you have to imagine if Harden gets traded, Tucker is not finishing the season in Houston either, right? Yeah, he was absolutely on my list. And honestly, uh, even if Harden doesn't get traded immediately, I think Tucker is, is on the block. And he's, I mean, if you saw his opening media availability, he does not look like a happy camper. And obviously the Harden stuff doesn't help, but this is a guy who's been wanting to get paid for a long time. And he seems pretty fed up with whatever is going on with Houston there. So like you said, uh, very affordable contract, very tradable. Um, every contending team would want him for the playoff push. So like you said, I mean, this is kind of a no-brainer for me, and I honestly think even if Harden ends up staying by some miracle, I think Tucker still might be on the block. Yeah, the only scenario I could realistically see in which he stays beyond like Harden saying, no, I want to stay, I want to contend here, I want to finish my career here, would be something like what happened in Oklahoma City last year, where they traded their biggest players, but then they sort of accidentally ended up as contenders, where I think going into last season, we all said, there's no way Danilo Gallinari is going to finish this season with the Thunder. Well, then they were a five seed and everybody was happy and he ended up staying for the year and then leaving in free agency. I guess I could maybe plausibly see a similar scenario for Tucker where they trade Harden, get somebody who's pretty good right now and like kind of stay on the periphery of the playoff hunt. But no, realistically, I mean, he's just too easy to fit on any team. There are going to be too many suitors. Too many teams are just going to be willing to say, hey, take our other expiring, less valuable contract and a first round pick. And the Rockets, by the way, like they've kind of quietly prioritized adding draft capital. I think that was the biggest reason they made the Westbrook trade was they essentially traded one bad contract for another. I mean, both players were unhappy, but they also get that first round pick from Washington. They get two for Robert Covington. They get another one for P.J. Tucker. Like now we're talking about a situation where most of the damage of the original Westbrook trade has been mitigated. You know, they're clearly not going to try to win the championship if Harden's not there. I can't. Even, I'm not even going to bother listing all the teams that would be interested in Tucker. If you need it's all, 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 all of them, everybody, basically. right? If you need either forward spot, if you need a small ball center, I mean, there's really nobody below like six three that he can't guard. Like maybe some of the faster guards would be a problem, but other than that, like he fits anywhere. There's just there's no reason to even focus on who we might go to because the answer is everybody will call. Yeah, and the Rockets haven't had a first-round pick in like 64 years, right? I mean, I, I would understand why they're trying to trying to collect some of those. So that just adds to the to the if someone's willing to to give them a first-round pick, even if it's protected or way in the future, I'm sure they would they would leap at that chance. I believe the last first-round pick to actually suit up for the Rockets was Clint Capella. So there you go. And look what, what happened to him. They five years, six years. Exactly, like the Rockets. This is going to be a bold new age. And we kind of went through this with Dallas, too, where I remember when they finally got bad, there was sort of this this thought like, well, Dallas doesn't really have a draft track record for us to build off of. We don't know who they're going to pick. We don't know who they're going to target. But I think Houston's kind of in the same boat. So we both agree P.J. Tucker is high on both of our lists. Who's next on yours? Who's next on mine? I don't I'm kind of worried that I might be stealing your number one, but let's hope not. Mom, if you mom. do, I will be very upset. <laughs> if we do, how about this? We had a deal. If if I do, I'll let you talk about it. OK. OK. Uh, the next guy on my list is Derek Rose. 
Oh, all right. Not my number one. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, expiring contract, uh, a guy who's proven to be, you know, a capable just definition of bench, heat check, bucket getter guy. Very consistent, uh, good locker room guy. People seem to like him. Uh, I, there's no reason for him to be on the Pistons right now uh, other than mentoring Killian Hayes and, and some of their young players. So uh, on an expiring deal, very tradable contract, like $7.8 million, something like that. Uh, there's just no way that Derrick Rose is on the Pistons after the trade deadline. Um, and and honestly, I think he could make a pretty big impact on, on some of these teams uh, just looking for a guy who can come in and create offense, which is, as we see in the playoffs, a, a very essential trait. Um, so, yeah, uh, so, Derrick Rose is my guy. I'll add this. I think there's another reason why it's pretty likely that he gets traded. We were all very confused at almost everything that the Pistons did this offseason for good reason, right? Like, I don't know why Jaleel Okafor needs to be on that team. I don't know why all of these centers are on that team. I think, to an extent, it was a self-tanking move where they had to be active. They had to get people talking about them to hide the fact that they're very much trying to lose games this year and get a high draft pick. The best way to get a high draft pick in the NBA is to have a rookie point guard because rookie point guards almost universally, besides John Morant, Luca, like the guys like that, they're almost always going to be very bad. They might flash numbers, but they're going to be bad players when it comes to actually winning. So if you get Derrick Rose out the door, that's just more opportunities for Killian Hayes to be bad. And also, frankly, develop, because down the line, he might be good. But in the short term, he'll be bad. You'll get a high draft pick. My one concern with the Derrick Rose trade is that quietly, a lot of the teams that might have been interested in him last year are, I'd say, less likely to get him now. The Lakers traded for Dennis Schroeder, so I would say they're probably out of the Rose market. I'm not going to say Philly's out of it. They could very badly, they could very much use another ball handler, another scorer. But I don't think he's really Daryl Morey's cup of tea. I mean, he's not really a shooter. And I think he really wants to, in as much as it's possible, see what he has with Ben Simmons as his primary creator. And then I think the Clippers are, like, they would have been a good fit, but I don't know what they have to trade. They have no more draft picks left. They have no more young guys left. I mean, maybe they trade Luke Kennard back to the Pistons, but I doubt they'd be into that. So I don't see as robust a market just from the perspective that the contenders that I think would have been interested have now kind of moved in other directions. But you're right. From Detroit's standpoint, Derrick Rose, he almost has to be traded. Yeah, I think Lou Williams would work for the Clippers, but then you're basically, I mean, why are you trading Lou Williams for yeah. Derrick Rose? You're just getting the you're same You're shuffling player. deck chairs. Right. But I think, uh, well, to your point on Killian Hayes, uh, he had seven turnovers in his first preseason game. And uh, the, the guy who I talked to, a coach who coached against him in Germany, said that he had about eight or nine turnovers against them because when you force him right, he loses his mind and doesn't know how to dribble. So I well, can see that play. This is also <laughs> what rookie point guards do, right? Right. Like, what rookie point guard isn't going to turn it over a lot? Now, he might have other virtues, and I'm not sitting here saying Killian Hayes is never going to be a good NBA point guard. He very well could be. Like, he was a high pick for a reason. It's just that rookie point guards tend to be bad. Yeah, and the coach I talked to said he, he had trouble with big, strong guards, which is you're going to run into a lot of that in the NBA. But anyway, enough about Hayes. In terms of Rose, I had a couple teams. Uh, I, I did think of Philly, obviously. Um, I think the Celtics, depending on Kemba Walker, if he uh, comes back and he's not right or he, he remains out for a while, that might be someone they could look at. Um, and then I thought about Dallas, too. They they kind of don't have any sort of creation off the bench. So I thought uh, he might be a good a good fit for them. eventually. Well, my argument against Dallas is that, like, I could be their backup point guard and under Rick Carlisle, I would average eight points on like 42 percent shooting because that's just how that works. I would love I'm a big to see fan. that, Sam. I, I want I'm a big to fan that. of the Josh Richardson trade. Show though. me I the think game he's picks. Gonna, 
<laughs> I mean, I could. I think honestly, if you put me on Rick Carlisle's offense and just said stand in the corner, I could maybe hit like eighteen percent of my threes. Eighteen percent. So yeah. that was funny. Not NBA level, but I wouldn't like totally embarrass myself by the you, standard you'd of basically be Russell Westbrook on less volume. So that's yeah, not exactly. that's not that bad. And, and you know what? He's making forty million. I would settle for like eight. So there you <laughs> like go. Forty dollars. Um, yeah, I, I think Josh Richardson is gonna take up a lot of the secondary ball handling for them. Oof. I like did Boston. Watch, did you watch Sixers games last year? Did you watch Miami games two years ago? Uh, not re- not really. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm basing this off of. I will never underestimate Philly's ability to ruin a player, at least in the pre-Mori, pre-Doc era. I'm not basing anything. And by the way, like Al Horford was on my top 100 list this year. It's the same thing. Like that weird team, I'm not going to, you know, degrade any player for having been forced to play for them. So as for Boston, I think that that's like, that's a good fit as far as winning this season. But they do have Peyton Pritchard, who they just took in the first round. They have oh, Romeo Langford. Come on, come on. Don't, they have a lot of young guards that they need. No, they have a lot of young guards they have to give minutes to. Like they're not they don't have Carson Edwards on this roster to not like at least see if he can play. If they, they don't have Romeo Lightyear win a title, they're not gonna worry about Peyton Pritchard and Carson Edwards minutes, Sam. I, I'm just saying they're going to go into the season hoping to play the young guys and like, hey, maybe the young guys suck and they say at the deadline, sure, let's go get somebody like Derrick Rose. I just don't think they're gonna rush it. I agree with that. I think, I think honestly, I think Rose makes it to the deadline, if not, you know, a little bit before, just because you're going to need to see who's desperate to add that guy. And then that'll increase whatever you can get back. Yeah, I would agree with that. So my very anticipated number one. I'm so excited. I had to secure before we started. This is going to be very anticlimactic. He is one of the smallest names on my list, but I just think it's a total lock that he's going to get traded. Rodney Hood. Oh, Here's not why. even on my list. Here's why. Rodney Hood was set to make $6 million this year on a player option. He played very well in Portland before getting hurt last year, but he was coming off of a torn Achilles. And generally speaking, your value goes down after you tear your Achilles. You know, Kevin Durant can get a max contract after a torn Achilles, but most guys can't. He opts out of that $6 million, which when I first saw that was just malpractice on the part of his agent. But then it made sense. Signs a two-year deal in Portland. He's making $10 million, but he has a non-guaranteed second year. I ask you this, Colin. Why would you sign Rodney Hood and give him a $4 million raise after a torn Achilles with a non-guaranteed second season if you didn't plan to trade him? And you add Robert Covington, Derek Jones Jr. on the wing and there reset Carmelo There are so Anthony. many forwards on that team. <laughs> Like when, when Carmelo re-signed there, like my thought was, when is he going to play? Because they give the full mid-level to Jones. They traded for Robert Covington. Like this might just be draft nerd Twitter and me, or draft Twitter nerd and me, but Nasir Little should probably play a little bit too, right? Like there are a lot of forwards on that team. Zach Collins is going to be healthy eventually. He isn't right now. Gary Trey Jr. could be a wing. Yeah, I don't know where the minutes are for Rodney Hood. They very clearly, at least in my mind, signed that contract with the express purpose of trading him. You know what? It's a smart thing, and it's something that teams tend to do at lower levels. Like, the non-guaranteed second season is a pretty frequent contract tool. You just don't usually see it in the $10 range. They gave him a raise, I think, with the intention of saying, hey, look, Rodney, like, we're going to give you your money. Don't worry, but we're structuring your contract in this way, and we're giving you this raise because it makes you very tradable, and we don't have tradable salary otherwise. So I don't know what they're going to trade him for, but I think they intend to be quite good. And I think we both come into the season thinking 
they're what a, the four seed, the five seed in the West, something like that. Oh, I love if Portland. That's where they are. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Portland too. I have them fourth right now. They're going to come into the season. They're going to be generally pretty good. They're going to get to the deadline and they'll be able to say, okay, this is what we need, whatever it is. And I can't predict what that'll be yet. And they'll say, okay, we'll attach a first round pick and we'll give Rodney Hood salary and we'll go get whatever hole we need to fill. Yeah, I mean, I guess that would be my only question is what would they be looking for? But like to your point, they they're just putting in the flexibility, right? Somebody will get hurt, you know, something something will happen and, and they'll end up needing a certain person. My other question would be like, I mean, does anybody really want Rodney Hood? I mean, well, it's all about the contract. The, yeah. second, the second year is non-guaranteed. So is essentially a human trade exception, right? Like wow. you're going to a team that has some longer term contract that they don't want to have on their books. And during the COVID pandemic, there are going to be a lot of teams that want to dump money. So some team is going to have a valuable player in the $10 million range. They're going to say, we don't want to pay this guy next year. Let's go get hood and essentially dump that money. I mean, it makes sense to me. And this is why you're like the salary cap guy among our team, because like everyone else sees that uh, that signing and is like what why are they paying that much money and you're like okay they're they're playing check chess here they're trying to to set up their next move so i mean i like it i, I certainly like i said he wasn't on my list he wasn't even someone that's that's really crossed my mind as much as i love portland i can't say that i've, I've given three seconds of thought to rodney hood this offseason but i mean that does make sense you've convinced me you're you're a convincing young man so who's next on your list next on my list is uh first of all let that Rodney Hood was it was a little underwhelming if I have to say you know after all building up please let me talk about this guy I, I don't take my number one I really want to talk about him it's like Rodney Hood it's like come on man you expected filet mignon and you're getting like a like a sloppy joe I'll tell you what I'll give you my filet mignon the next time so go what's yours oh I'm excited about that uh the next guy on my list is someone who we've talked about a little bit uh that is Aaron Gordon on the Orlando Magic he is a slam dunk non-champion two times who uh, got robbed, clearly. But um, really interesting player, a guy who I'm sure a lot of teams think he has kind of some untapped potential. He's not being used properly, kind of some positional redundancy over the last couple of years uh, in Orlando. So I think uh, he's got one of those descending contracts that expires uh, after a 2022 season. So um, I think teams like Golden State, you know, maybe uh, I, I liked him for Miami before last season. Maybe not now. Maybe a team like Denver. I don't know. I feel like there's a, a few teams out there who can probably think that they would make better use of him than the Magic have so far. And honestly, with Orlando, uh, you know, Jonathan Isaac's out all year, but they, they should be trying to bottom out. They're probably out of contention in the playoffs in the east with a couple of the you know the wizards and teams like that trying to make the playoffs this year so um i don't see what he's doing in orlando i think if they can trade him and get a pick or, or a young player that fits a little bit better i think that's the right move what do you think you think aaron gordon is is going to stay on the magic this season so he wasn't on my list not because i don't think he should tra be traded but because when does orlando ever do anything that they should be doing right like <laughs> inertia is so powerful in orlando half of the guys on that roster should have been traded by now like evan fournier should have been traded by now is not on my list specifically because he plays for the magic like go down the go down the line you know terrence ross should be traded um mo Bamba should get a second chance somewhere else just etc cetera, etc cetera. i think this is probably the likeliest it's ever been that he's going to get traded I think that they are probably entering the season thinking, 
oh, you know, maybe we can get one of these play-in spots, even without Jonathan Isaac, even without DJ Augustine, you know? We only have to finish 10. I think they're in for a rude awakening. I think they're going to have one of the worst offenses in the NBA. And I think they, when the they had one of the worst offenses last year, didn't they? And, and now they, they got worse. Yeah. And they lost their starting point guard and they lost their best young player. Like they're going to be very, very bad on offense. I generally trust Steve Clifford on defense, but without Isaac, that could be pretty rough too. I think they're going to have a moment of truth at some point before the deadline and say like, we probably should trade Aaron Gordon. And you're right about the destinations. It's pretty similar to Tucker in that any good team could use him. Any young team could use him, frankly. Like, Minnesota is a team that I think would be a great fit. Brooklyn would be a team that I think is a great fit. Like, just go down the line. Virtually any team can use him better than Orlando has. I think he should be traded. But, like, there are cave paintings out there of fake Aaron Gordon trades. Like, it's been so long we've been predicting this. Like, even when he got picked there, there was kind of a sentiment of, like, wait, what? Like, really? What's he doing there? So I think he should be traded. It's just the only reason he wasn't on my list. Because Orlando never trades anybody. Yeah, I just think I just think they have to, and and like you mentioned, I think the market will be there because of his age and the fact that you said he, he can help a contender or he can be part of a rebuild somewhere as kind of one of your main guys. So uh, that was my reason for putting him on. I think that uh, that that uh, sense of what they could get back for him might be even too overwhelming for the Orlando Magic to ignore. They missed their moment, right? Like, there was a moment where people were talking about Aaron Gordon for C.J. McCollum. Now, like, if they called Portland and made that offer, they're getting laughed off the line. Yeah, and I love Gordon. I think I think he's a really good player. I think he's he's just very lost. I think he needs one of the uh, needs to go to a situation where you know they tell him we need you to do this. Like he's been had so many roles with the Magic so far. I don't know if that's the coaches tell him to do that, or that's him just taking upon himself. Uh, but I think he needs some, just be our, our energy big, you know, defend, dunk, run, transition, shoot the occasional three-pointer, but we don't need your your isolations and pull-ups and, and terrible mid-range jumpers. Yeah. His best usage would be starting power forward on a team that has, that either switches a lot defensively or can just very clearly say, you're the four, you're not the three. You're defending other fours. You know, you're going to do some short roll stuff in the pick and roll. You're never going to handle the ball. We need you to become a better shooter. Like, there's a very clear path to him becoming a really valuable role player. He's just never going to be a star. The issue is Orlando has not had a single star during his entire tenure there. So he sort of talked himself into being a star. So, yeah, I think his trade value has probably gone down. I think right now you're probably looking at more than one first round pick, less than two. Like, Robert Covington got two first round picks. I don't think that Aaron Gordon would get that, but... Clearly, there are a lot of teams that would like him. He's a very rare archetype. Like, forwards are hard to find, just in general, especially versatile defensive forwards. So there would be a market. You've talked me into this. He can go on my list. Like, I think this is the this is the year that Orlando sees the light. Yes, I agree. Uh, we're, we're both filled with hope. And uh, so who's who's next on your list? Okay, here's the... It, I, okay, maybe filet mignon a couple years ago. Now he's like a nice flank steak. Like, you're getting a good meal out of him, but... Like maybe not mar- a little marbling in there? Yeah, exactly. So, LaMarcus Aldridge plays wow, for a Spurs not, team not that on is my rebuilding. List. He has an expiring contract, so he could go virtually anywhere, and it wouldn't really affect him from a cap perspective. He could fit on almost any team just because, like, starting last year, he really started to take threes. And he's asked for a trade before. Now, obviously, that was years ago, and it was for very different reasons. I don't think LaMarcus Aldridge, based on the first trade request, which was when the Spurs were a contender, is somebody who cares all that much about winning in the grand scheme of things. I think more than anything, he just kind of wants to get his shots and play his role. 
But I think we're now kind of at a point where it doesn't really make sense to keep him in San Antonio. Like they have so many wings and they have so many young guys in general that just need minutes. So I think there are going to be a couple of contenders that really go after him. Miami is my personal favorite destination, but Miami's I mean, getting everybody. Like if, all the trade rumors, everybody's going to Miami. Every player should want to go to Miami. Miami would make any player better. Like we've talked about this with James Harden. Getting James Harden to heat culture, like that could be really, really special. I don't know. But back to I, all I, yeah. I just I, I don't really see a good reason for the Spurs to keep him because we neither of us have them as a playoff team, right? I don't, but that that was going to be my counter and why I don't have them on the list. I think the Spurs are going to be pretty good. I don't think they're they probably don't make the playoffs, but can they get one of those uh, you know wild card play in spots? I, I think they can. You know, there's a lot of teams at the bottom of the West who you know who knows what Memphis is going to be this year. Who know the Kings are probably going to be worse. Who knows what the Pelicans are going to be? The Timberwolves are going to be bad. You know, so well they're going to be I, injuries too. There's going to be COVID absences. So yeah, right. I, I do understand that line of thinking. So I do think that with with Aldridge and DeRozan, as boring as it might be, you know, Derek White taking a step forward, hopefully DeJounte Murray and Kelton Johnson taking a step forward. I think they're going to be a pretty good team. So I, that's the only reason why, I, you know, I looked at I looked at Aldridge. I looked at DeRozan. Obviously, there's probably a better market for Aldridge than DeRozan. But uh, I think ultimately they both end up staying. I also looked at Rudy Gay for a little bit. But I Patty think Mills, too. Yeah. There are four very big expiring contracts on that roster. And. I would be stunned if one of them isn't traded. I don't know if it's going to be Aldridge, DeRozan, Gay, or Mills, but given all of the young guys on that team, I would suspect at least one of them is traded. Right, because then you're looking at you know letting them walk for nothing. And uh, I think you, Patty Mills it, is probably the likeliest out of the four, right? Just given all the guards they have. I would think so. I mean, but like you said, I mean, none of those guys have been healthy, so you just have to wait and see, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's complicated also because. You know, Popovich doesn't want to tank his last few years, right? I don't think he looks at this roster and thinks, like, he made a great joke when some reporter asked him, how would you feel about potentially going to the Olympics late if game seven of the finals, you know, keeps you here longer? And he just kind of looks at the guy and goes, well, I don't think we're going to need seven games in the final. That was funny. So, you know, I, I don't think Greg Popovich, I think he's aware of what this is. This is the team. But I also don't think he wants to tank his last few years. I think he wants to go out on a somewhat competitive note. So that's the argument against Aldridge, but I'll just, I'll broaden my pick slightly to any of those four Spurs. I'm going to say at least one of them gets traded. That's, I mean, it's cheating, but I'll accept it. Have you, by the I've way, I've got a couple ever, of groups on here. We're going to get to have, that, but I've got Have you groups. ever been, uh, have you ever been popped? No, I have not been popped, thankfully. I got, I got popped once. And I've it been Carlisle. I, I saw a person get Carlisle in real in uh, in real time in live and in person. It was not it was not pretty. But I'll yeah, just, I, I'll tell the story quickly. It was literally the first game that I had ever been in person as a reporter, and it was at Madison Square Garden. So there were a ton of reporters there. We were all really really crunched close together. I was like maybe ten inches from Carlisle, and I asked a question that was sort of repetitive, and he looks me dead in the eye and just goes. Well, I don't know if you heard, but as I was saying to your colleague and so on and so forth. That's not that bad. I mean, it, it was pretty embarrassing for the first time you ever. Yeah, covered a game yeah. Game. You're already nervous. You're already, you know, yeah. you got your question written down on your phone. Your hands are shaking. I, I know that feeling. Exactly. But yeah, when I, I got popped, uh, it wasn't I'm, I'm going to deflect blame. So, you know, I was doing these like uh, CBS Sports HQ plug, plug, plug. Uh, I was doing a hit for them, a pregame hit with the Warriors versus the Spurs. 
And uh, I needed it, Pop wasn't saying nobody was asking questions. I needed something for this like you know 30 to 60 second pregame hit. So I they, they had like I think DeRozan was out or somebody like that. So I, I gave him the softball. You know, hey, what are you looking for with with some of your guys who are going to get more opportunity tonight? You know, with DeRozan out. And he just he just deflates and just looks asked looks like I asked him like the dumbest question he's ever heard in his life. He's like, um, I don't know, score a lot of points, play good defense, just rolls his eyes. And so, I'm like, okay, okay, yeah, sure, thanks, coach. I've heard that if you get Popovich off of camera, he's a lot more open. He's just not somebody that likes the cameras. That's what well, I've heard. The best part of this story, and not to get too far, but right afterwards, Mark Spears asks him some question about like social justice, and Popovich just lights up and delivers this like, you know, three minute eloquent, you know, soliloquy about the, all the problems in the world, you know, and everything. So it's like I just felt even worse after asking my dumb basketball question. I'm sure it got a ton of Twitter love too, because every time Popovich says anything about social justice, and rightfully so, because the guy is a genius and just one of the best people in basketball. But yeah, I'm sure that doesn't feel great when you see a viral quote directly after the question. <laughs> yeah. They have to like edit out your question. Like, wait, what yeah. is this guy? Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Next player on your list. Next player on my list. Ooh. So I have two. I'll, I'll go with, uh, Miles Turner. Okay. Miles Turner is uh, one of these guys who, I think everybody universally pretty much likes, right? A guy who can shoot threes, one of the best protector, rim protectors in the league, uh, not last season, but the season before. But the defense is there, seven-footer. Um, kind of lost in this Pacers offense, as you know, a lot of people were under Nate McMillan. But they, they've got a new, a new coach, and I wish I could pronounce his name, Nate Bjorkgren. But ultimately, he's going to change Nate their B. offense. Nate B, Nate B. And, is it uh, weird that they've now had back-to-back coaches named Nate? It could be a thing. It could be like a, a market inefficiency that the well, front office has found. They have all of the TJs, too. So, like, maybe this is a thing for them. <laughs> Nate's and the TJs. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, with Turner, uh, obviously with Demonis Sabonis, I think a lot of people have thought for a while now that they were going to have to pick between the two. And Sabonis took a, a pretty big leap last year. I don't know, ultimately... If I'd want Sabonis over Turner, but I think they can't keep both of them because of the limitations it has on each other. Because they play together and they were, I mean, obviously very good defensively when they were on the court together last year. The offense, they, they struggled, but they were a net positive by like 2.1 points or something like that. I looked it up earlier. Um, but ultimately, I, don't, I think, you know, you want more TJ Warren at the four. You want those types of lineups. So uh, and I think there's a market out there for Turner. Obviously, uh, the Celtics have been rumored, you know, they, they could have made that trade earlier this year uh, apparently and and you know well, they for didn't Hay- want for Hayward. yeah if they could have made like if they wanted miles turner i think miles turner would be a celtic right now clearly they didn't but and you got to think also ainge it's a difference between like we don't want him or we we don't want him for this price and right. if, well, if it got to the point where they were like no well we don't want to do that they ultimately decided that that trade exception from charlotte was more valuable than miles turner is i think the conclusion we can broadly come to now, we don't know the exact sequence of events, but I think if Miles Turner was somebody that the Celtics really wanted and thought of as, you know, a long-term core piece, they would have gotten him, but they didn't. And I think that says something about how he's valued around the league versus how he's valued by people like us. Like, I agree with you. I really like him. I think that there are a lot of teams that could really use him. 
the three and D center model is like, it's pretty rare. There aren't that many guys that can effectively protect the rim and shoot a bunch of threes. It's basically him, him, Serge Ibaka and Chris Boucher. That's it. Well, Chris Stapps Porzingis is the high end of that. Like he's he's never on the court. Right. So there are a bunch of teams that I would love to see Miles Turner on. Like we'll do a whole episode about this at some point. I think the perfect fit is the wizards because they need somebody who can shoot. They have no defense whatsoever. Westbrook needs a shooting big after like, clearly he can't play with traditional centers. So that's the fit. I like more than any, there are a bunch of teams that I think should trade for him and will probably regret not trading for him when they had the chance, because what I think is going to happen in Indiana this year is Nate B. I'm not even going to try with the last name is going to let him shoot like eight or nine threes a game. And suddenly he's going to look like a whole different offensive player. Nate McMillan, I think the Pacers were 30th in three-point attempts last year, always near the bottom of the league, yet they take a ton of mid-range shots. That's just a waste of Turner's shooting. Like, if you just park him behind the arc and say, shoot seven or eight threes, you're now talking about a significantly more valuable player, even if he shoots at, like, a league average rate. Yeah, and like we talked about with, with Gordon, too, like, it's another guy who, who can be uh, help a contender or be kind of a piece of a rebuild. He's somewhere. 24. Right. That all of these guys are so much younger than I thought. I was doing I was doing the story on Andrew Wiggins and he's twenty five. It's like what Derek Rose is like is like thirty years old. It doesn't make any sense. Well that's what happens when guys come into the league at nineteen. And by the way, like I get that Miles Turner has very real deficiencies defensively in the playoffs. He's not somebody you can switch. You can't put him on the perimeter basically at all. Like having a top five rim protector in the NBA or somewhere in that neighborhood where Turner is, that's really valuable in the regular season. And as much as we look at basketball through the prism of winning the championship is all that matters, there are teams that don't. There are teams that would look at Miles Turner and just say, like, this guy makes us a meaningfully better regular season team. What about the Hornets? Like, they don't care about winning in the playoffs. They would love Miles Turner. Yeah, and he's also a prime, like, oh, crap, our center got hurt. We need somebody. Like, he's, he seems like that type of guy. Like you said, you bring him in, you know exactly what you're getting out of him, and then uh, you could just kind of go from there. He's like Aaron Gordon. He's a prime. Oh, we can fix him. The Pacers don't know how to use him, but we do. Right. Right. And that, you know, this is, I, I've been, I mean, I used to work at Max Preps High School, America Source for High School Sports. Um, if you, I don't know if you're aware, but um, we covered Miles Turner back then, and it was always the same thing. It was like, oh, this guy is like intriguing. He's kind of shooting up recruiting boards. Then the same thing happened in the draft. Like, oh, he's, he's, he's raising up draft boards. And I think it's that kind of tantalizing uh, skill, the, the three-point shooting, the shot blocking. And, and they, they had to fix his, the way that he ran when he got into the league, and apparently that helped because he seems to have stayed pretty healthy. Speaking of shooting big men, this Ooh. guy's number three on my list. We've been jumping around a bit. Nemanja Bielisa. The Kings are somewhat one. crowded in the front court. You know, Marvin Bagley has to play if he's healthy. Harrison Barnes, Rashawn Holmes, Hassan Whiteside, expiring contract and only $7 million. But most pressingly, they are very clearly tanking. You do not let Bogdan Bogdanovich leave for free if you are planning to win games in the near future. They're tanking. I think they signed Hassan Whiteside as a self-tanking move. Because he's going to put oh, up numbers. He'll throw people off of the set. Don't bring Whiteside in. Everyone's, the, the Whiteside disrespect is just, it's too much. They got him on, he's on a minimum contract. It's a good deal, man. You know who led the Kings in win chairs last season? Daquan Jeffries? Nemanja Bielitsa. <laughs> <laughs> Daquan Jeffries is number one in my heart. But no, Nemanja Bielitsa was like quietly a very, very good player last year. And he's another one of these guys. Like we, I think it's, it's not a coincidence that we've talked about so many guys like this on this list. 
that can help a wide variety of teams. As long as you can protect him defensively and he's bad. I don't think he's like end of the world bad. You're getting an awesome offensive player. Like, is he that different than say Nikola Miritich, who's obviously no longer in the league? No, I think a contender will trade a couple of second round picks for him at the deadline and be very happy with their, with their investment. Yeah. I like Bielitsa. I think he's, He's good. That's a good pick. I didn't have him on my list. I definitely agree with you that the Kings have a lot going on over there and that that they're going to look to make some moves and uh, tanking certainly makes sense there. Um, I don't know how long Luke Walton would be around for that rebuild, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, And Bielitsa, first of all, he has like one of the strangest bodies I've ever seen in my life. He's like he like looks like kind of fat, but he's also just like thick and like he's he's got he's like really long arms but i mean you know a stretch four who can shoot and he can do a little bit more than shoot he can put it on the floor a little bit and he's he's such a big guy you know if you see that with other other shooters where like i mean kyle corver is obviously a much different type of player but you don't have to worry about corver as much defensively he's just so big so i think that's another thing that that bielitsa has going for him but um this is my duncan robinson crusade if you're big and you know where to be you can't be that bad on defense Right, and obviously those guys are a little more athletic than Bielitsa, but the the point stands that if he gets into the right system, they can cover for him and they can use him in a way to maximize his ability. But um, yeah, I think it's a really good one. It's not gonna not gonna light up the the Twitter sphere, but he could be a player who really helps a contender. We're like forty minutes into this. We're past the point where the names are gonna interest people. <laughs> All right, I got a couple. I got a couple. Okay. Well, what's your next big name? Go. Uh, Lou Williams. Okay, I, I agree with this. He's not on my list. Yeah, yeah already, I, I agree. It's already been rumored that he's going to be traded. Um, this is uh, He's on expiring deal, $8 million, which seems ridiculous, but very tradable. Um, this is part of the, you know, not bringing back Montrez, possibly trading Lou Williams. Uh, this is getting rid of that old guard of the Clippers who was apparently not happy with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George since obviously Paul George isn't going anywhere and they hope that Kawhi Leonard isn't. Well, I, I won't say Paul George isn't going anywhere. Paul George thinks he's not going anywhere. We can get to that in a different podcast. But um, anyway, Lou Williams, uh, they they traded for Luke Kennard, who uh, in theory kind of plays the same role as Lou Williams, uh, you know, whether he starts or comes off the bench, a, a scoring guy uh, who can create his own offense and kind of run that second unit. So it looks like they've kind of got the Lou Will replacement uh, in the works already. And I don't know. I guess we've talked about this, too. I don't know if the market for for Lou Williams is as hot as it would have been last season or the season before. Um, But again, one of these guys who can just get you a bucket who's always needed on contenders, especially if they suffer some sort of injury. What do you think about Lou Williams? I think the real reason he's probably going to get traded is because he's the only real matching salary that the Clippers have if they want to go get somebody else. So, like, they have eight players currently making more than $5 million. They're not trading Paul George as far as, like, they might trade Paul George. But they're they not trading him for, like, this a season, right? Yeah, I, I believe it's he's a year with no a year where he can't get yeah. traded. But either way, like, that's a whole separate conversation. They're not trading Kawhi Leonard. They can't trade Marcus Morris yet, and I don't think they're in any rush to. Maybe Patrick Beverly, but I doubt it. They're not trading Serge Ibaka. They're not trading Avica Zubac. And I think they want to keep Luke Kennard and extend him. So those are the eight guys that are making at least $5 million. Lou Williams is the only one in there that like could be matching salary if they wanted to trade for, say, a point guard upgrade or another big or whatever it is that they might need. I think realistically it would be a three-team deal where he would go to another like semi-good team and then they would be getting a player from a worse team. 
Now, as far as the compensation goes, it's worth pointing out that the Clippers do not have a single tradable first round pick. So you're basically relying on the four second round picks they got in the Kennard deal. So what can you get for Luke Kennard and four second round picks? I don't know, maybe like a high end bench guy, low end starter. I don't, I've honestly never thought about that in my life, but I'm glad, I'm glad you brought it up. I was just sitting here thinking, I was wondering if there was any way to reunite Montrez and Lou Williams with the Lakers. I thought that would be a, a well, phenomenal. The issue is Montrez has a new love and his name is Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, I don't know. I think Schroeder tends to rub people the wrong way and so does Montrez. So I think that could be a volatile relationship. I mean, Lou I Williams think the and Lakers Montrez are perfectly are like, happy uh, with their microwave score. I'm just saying, it's a possibility, and they they both work out in Atlanta. So maybe in a year because they'll both be free agents. Because there's no way Montrezl Harrell is opting into the last year of his deal. What's the last year of his deal? He signed a one plus one, so he's at the mid level this year, and then he gets a slight bump next year. But I think realistically, he signed with the Lakers, hoping to win a championship, boost his value, and then hit the market again next year. Interesting. That I feel like that rarely works out for people. I wouldn't advise it. My, if you want to make money, my, my advice would always be go to a bad team and put up numbers. I don't agree with it from like a holistic basketball perspective, but that's what tends to get guys paid. Didn't Charlotte want Montrez? And he, he turned down more money from them to sign with the Lakers, which in turn freed up the money for Charlotte to sign Gordon Hayward. So like maybe we are existing in a scenario where Miles Turner is on the Celtics right now, if not for Montrez Harrell. Wow. We got to do a, a, a retrospective podcast. We'll do a that. what if at some point. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Lou Williams, uh, I can't see him. Well, I guess I could see him, but I think he's he's one of the more likelier players to get traded. And as you mentioned, if the Clippers trade somebody, it's probably going to be him. Yeah, Who's I think next? it just comes down to what they can get for him. And clearly he's salary filler more than anything to me. Next on my list, I can't believe we haven't gotten to him yet, or at least I can't believe we haven't gotten to his team. It's George Hill. Because the Thunder are trading everybody that is not nailed down. Right. So, I had I had Trevor Ariza, but it's the same. Same thing. idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, basically, any Thunder player except Al Horford that is not on a rookie deal that the, might have so, some value. Side note: When I was doing research for this, it took me about six minutes to find what team Trevor Ariza was on. Well, since we started, he's been traded twice. Now he <laughs> plays. I think he's in Greece. I, I don't know. He's, uh, he's well, doing a was, shift at Dairy Queen. I'll never forget, I think it was the second night of free agency in Slack, I asked, hey, what team is Trevor Ariza on now? And somebody responded, it might have been you, it might have been Brad, who was like, he hasn't been traded today, has he? And we were like, no, no, I think he's still with, maybe it was the Pistons or something. And then like half an hour later, he got traded again. Yeah, you're like, all right, I'll just go with that until, and then like, you're about to file, and it's like, ah, boom, he just got traded again. Yeah, it's like Candyman. If you say his name three times, he appears. Or is that, what's his name? Beetlejuice? I don't know. Bloody Mary? There's a lot of urban legends. There are, lo- there are a lot of urban legends surrounding people whose names you say three times. It That's is really weird. Yeah. I wonder what that we should do. Uh, yeah, we should we should look into that. That'll be for our Paranormal Activity podcast. Um, yeah, so basically I think George Hill is the most valuable of the Thunder expiring contracts that could help a contender, right? Like, he's more valuable than Trevor Ariza. I think we feel pretty comfortable saying that. So I don't know, I don't know about that. I get, I, I George always, Hill shot like 70% on threes last year. Yeah, but I always look at, at what a team needs more, uh, uh, you know, a veteran wing or a backup point guard. And I think that 
a lot of teams can use wings. I think there's, I don't know. I, I mean, yes, they're both valuable, but I would. Trevor Ariza started his career on the Isaiah Thomas Knicks. He's an old, old guy. He's very old. Yeah, Hill's no, no spring chicken himself. No, but he's coming off of a very nice run. Now, Trevor Ariza was pretty good for Portland, too. But I would feel much more comfortable, at least right now, trading for George Hill. But I guess we'll see. We'll see how they both look with the Thunder for the two weeks that they're there. Do you think they even play him? I know, yeah, I think he'll play. Like, I, I don't think the Thunder are the sort of team that like, would tank so egregiously that they're just not going to play good veterans. Like, frankly, I think this is their philosophy with Al Horford, too. After what happened with Chris Paul last year, like, let's rehab his value and let's go get something for him down the line. Yeah, that's a good point. I was, I'm just thinking of a guy like Ariza who's just been traded so many times. It's just like, does he want to suit up next to Alexei Pokachevsky? <laughs> was Alexei Pokachevsky born when he was drafted? <laughs> Uh, he probably wasn't bored when he won his first title. Yeah, so there you go. Um, all right, let's each do one more. So that George Hill was mine. So what's who's the last guy for you? Well, this is uh, okay. I'll go with uh, how about Thaddeus Young? And wasn't on my list, but I, I do like that. Yeah. The the reason he was he was on my list, but a little bit lower, and he bolted up my list after I watched Patrick Williams play in his first preseason game. So. I was I did some draft work and I wasn't as high on Patrick Williams as a lot of people. I thought, you know, they kind of reached at number four. I'm here to tell you that I was wrong. I've watched this guy play five minutes of NBA basketball. I'm like, oh, my goodness, he's got it. So um, the the Bulls already kind of have uh, a lot going on in terms of their talent. Uh, they, in theory, should be tanking this year. So a guy like Thaddeus Young is, is going to be taking away minutes from some of the younger guys. So they want to see. um so he's got a, I think he has a partially guaranteed uh, final year of his contract. So yeah, I, think I believe he's it's $6 million that he's owed for the last year. Right. So I think he's someone that, that a contender would, would definitely want to take, uh, you know, versatile, could play some three, but mostly a four, maybe even some five. Um, veteran guy. I, I just think a lot of teams would want him if they can, they can figure out a deal. Yeah, I'm not sure there's a reason for both Thaddeus Young and Otto Porter to play for the Bulls. Like just they're they're different sorts of players, but like the overpriced veteran forward on a young team, I don't know why they need two of those. And I think Otto Porter is significantly harder to trade at his gargantuan cap number. I also think they think is if he can stay healthy, he's going to be really good. And I don't think they have that aspiration for that he's young. I feel like a lot of people have waited a long time for Otto Porter to be really good, and they've been pretty disappointed. <laughs> a lot of <laughs> well, like, Otto Porter's not disappointed. He's counting counting them checks. My old saying is the road to hell is paved with teams that traded for Jeff Green, and I think Otto Porter might be headed down that path. It's like we we can be the team that turns them around. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I think he's significantly easier to trade than Porter. I think there are a fair few teams that would want to trade for him. The issue is obviously not a great three point shooter, but he's been on good offenses before. Like his Pacers offenses were generally better than I think the talent would suggest. Some of that is coaching. Some of that is Victor Oladipo played above his head. Paul George played above his head for a little while. Like, I think he's somebody who can function on offense despite not being a great three-point shooter. Yeah, I agree. And also, you know, you look at, like, locker room situations, it seems like he's a good guy. And, you know, teams are always looking at at good veterans, stuff like that. So I don't think we need to talk much more about him. Who is next on your list? This guy is another just case of pure salary filler. It's Torian Prince. Because... At some point, the Nets are going to make a trade this season. You I don't should have know just done the whole, Nets, the whole Nets group. Well, 
didn't win. When I initially made my yeah, when I made, <laughs> when I initially made my list, I had a collateral damage section that was PJ Tucker and then like half of Brooklyn's roster, like <laughs> just guys that are going to be traded because those those teams have real ambitions. So I don't know if he's going to be involved in a Harden trade. I mean, I thought he might be involved in a Drew Holiday trade before that collapse. He'll get traded for somebody like the floor. I think would be like Torian Prince and a first round pick and something else for Aaron Gordon, because they need to add a power forward at some point. It's clearly not him. Their defense really needs an upgrade somewhere. Like he's going to be traded somewhere. I don't know where exactly, but Brooklyn is going to make a trade. And it seems like the stars really like Levert. It seems like Dinwiddie is pretty embedded there. I'm not saying they wouldn't trade him, but like he and Kyrie are close. I don't think they're going to go out of their way to trade him. You also Prince don't is, know how many bitcoins Dinwiddie's salary is going to be worth next year, so that's something to keep in mind. I'd be trading away a future billionaire. <laughs> Bad look for the team. So it, it's just pretty straightforward. The only issue is he does have two years left on his deal, but at fourteen million dollars, like that's not the end of the world. And then I would assume that whoever they trade for has multiple years left as well. Yeah, it's a good call. I think I had Dinwiddie at the top of the the Brooklyn list just because it seems like he could be so much more valuable for like another team, um, given that, you know, this is obviously assuming Kyrie's healthy. So maybe keeping that uh, insurance is is worth it. But I think him and Levert are somewhat redundant in terms of both of them kind of need the ball in their hands to be good. And I think they probably want to keep Levert unless they're getting one of those, you know, big guys. So that's why I had Dinwiddie ahead of them. I didn't really think of Prince that much, but if you're thinking about any sort of deal that they make, I would assume that he's going to have to be in it, right? Yeah, I thought of Dinwiddie too, but I had the same issue I had with Derrick Rose where there are just fewer teams that I think would trade for him. Now, Dinwiddie is younger, and frankly, I think he's a much better overall player. Like, He's not a great shooter, but I think there's reason to believe that the numbers aren't necessarily telling the whole story there. Better defender, much bigger. Like, I think a team could trade for Spencer Dinwiddie and talk itself into saying, like, we have our starting point guard for the next five years. I just don't see a super obvious destination for him. That was the only thing holding me back. Yeah, I agree. I I didn't really have any specific destinations written down for Dinway either. But um, yeah, the Nets, I mean, are we both in agreement that they're going to do something this season? They're going to do something now, especially because I'm a Nets pessimist. And I think they're going to start out slowly. And there's going to be a whole lot of locker room talk coming out of there. And there's going to be a lot of like talk, oh, is Steve Nash overwhelmed? Like, I don't think they're going to get off to a very hot start. And I think that when you're talking about teams with this many big names, that tends to lead to rumors. Now, do I think they'll figure it out by the playoffs? Yeah, I I don't think they're going to get swept in the second round or something. But I definitely think that it's going to be a bumpy road at first, and that's going to lead to rumors. Well, the good thing is that uh, Kyrie doesn't care what you think because you're just a pawn, Sam. You know what? The sad thing about it is, like, you know what? I'm perfectly willing to admit we are pawns. It's just that he's not using us very well. LeBron uses his pawns beautifully. Like, there's a reason that we talk about him so glowingly. He knows how to treat the media right. Like, I'm open to the idea of the media's pawns. It's just you kind of have to use those pawns effectively, and he's just ignoring us. He has an odd choice. Like, who are we pawns for? It's, it's very interesting. I, I was well, trying to think where he came from, coming from on that one. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to dare to try to speak for Kyrie Irving because I just – I'm not smart enough. None of us are. <laughs> um but I do like, like, I'm okay with the idea of the media as pawns. Players should be using us to send their own message. Like, there should be a give and take to it. But Kyrie clearly just disagrees and thinks we're not worth his time. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's enough, Kyrie. Right. That's going to be we a weird enough, situation. 
We have some footnotes though. Like you had somebody that we that you initially had on your list, but I think you wanted to take off. That was Bradley Beal, right? Yeah, I the more I thought about it, like if we're talking about players most likely to be traded, not players who we want to see traded, I think uh, Beal probably doesn't make the list just because, you know, they've traded for Russell Westbrook, tried to make that situation happy. I think the Wizards could be pretty good this year. They got a lot of shooting, um, Bertans, Thomas Bryant, Mo Wagner, you know, all those guys. So um, I, as much as I want to see Beal on a contender this season, I think he probably uh, rides it out with the Wizards because they are going to be in the mix for the playoffs in the East because almost everyone's in the mix in the, for the playoffs in the East until the last week of the season. So um, If we I, do this next year, I think he'll be on here. Right, or next, next offseason, whenever that right. is. Right, yeah. Um, I had a couple of lists of guys that we didn't get to. Um, there are three teams that are just barely above the luxury tax line, the Jazz, the Pacers, and the Spurs. I think realistically all three of those teams would prefer to avoid paying the tax if possible. For the Spurs, it's pretty simple. Just dump Trey Lyles on somebody, then you're below the line. The Pacers, it's a bit tougher. I had Edmund Sumner as the guy that you dumped to get below the line. Oh, no, I love that guy. That guy, is, if, if, he gets, if he gets 20 minutes, he's a DFS stud. I mean, for me, like, he's a really fun, like, short-minute defender. Like, Shaq Harrison was another guy like that who now plays. Oh, love Shaq Harrison. Too. Um, and then the other guy was, for the Jazz, it's tougher. Because all of their meaningful salaries, like, play real minutes for them. So the guy I have listed is George Niang, but I think the Jazz will probably do some shuffling at the bottom of their roster to get below the line. And then the other list I had, and this might have to be another episode, is rookie extension casualties. Guys who maybe aren't in the position that they should be based on the caliber of player they are, just based on their roster situation. So Jared Allen should be starting somewhere. DeAndre Jordan is going to be the starter for Brooklyn. So he might not be super happy. He would be a trade candidate. Kyle Kuzma wants a hefty extension. I don't think the Lakers are too enthused about the idea of giving it to him. So I would consider him a candidate. And then the last one I have here is Josh Hart, just because New Orleans has so many guards. I mean, Lonzo Ball is a higher priority. Kyra Lewis is a higher priority. They have Nikhil Alexander-Walker. They have Bledsoe. They have J.J. Redick. Like, at a certain point, like, Josh Hart deserves to be somewhere with a more consistent role. I don't know that he's going to have that in New Orleans. Yeah, that's a good call. I, I had some extra guys on my list. I, you mentioned Bledsoe. I, I mean, I just don't see what his future is in New Orleans, but I don't also don't know who would be trading for him. Uh, he's another guy with a partially guaranteed final year, so that might help his tradability a little bit. Um, I just think I don't see the point of him being on the Pelicans. Uh, another guy, uh, your favorite, Alec Burks, the New York Knicks, who's just going to get traded at the trade deadline every year for the rest of his career. I um, like the idea of the Knicks <laughs> signing guys expressly for the purpose of trading them at the deadline. Like that's the so funny. Yeah, it's, you, it's smart assets, asset usage. You mentioned you mentioned that because when he signed, I was like, oh man, I wanted to see Burks on a contender, and you're like, oh, don't worry, he will be. Just give it a few months. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Uh, Terrence Ross, just another Magic situation. Well, yeah, just wasted anyone on the there. Magic over the age of 26. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, and then yeah, as I mentioned, Rudy Gay before, but those those are all my guys. So that'll do it for us today, Colin. Any closing thoughts? Any any last players you haven't mentioned? I mean, there's a ton of players who could get traded, but uh, we'll save that for another time. In terms of I, thoughts, uh, NBA preseason basketball is is wild. Knicks Pistons was some of the worst stuff I've ever seen in my life. I think we agree there are going to be a, a lot of trades in general this season, just given all of the uncertainty and the strong free agency class coming. So. It'll be a fun trade year, and that's why we made a podcast specifically to talk about trades. It's almost like we thought this out.
Exactly. So that'll do us for us today. Colin, pleasure as always. Thanks a lot, Sam. Appreciate it. We'll be back. <laughs>